I wasn't here. Who noticed? <laughs> my, my beautiful bride took my spot. And what you might not have known is that she had about an hour to prepare. And so God bless her, because that's, that's no small feat uh, to have to put together something that you feel like it's come from the Lord. And uh, I just thank God for that. So she uh, shared last Sunday, and, and it was what an amazing message. Actually, one of her longer ones, which that's kind of funny too. But um, I discovered in the middle of the night a week ago that uh, my gallbladder wasn't playing fair, and I ended up in the ER, and anyhow, that's why I wasn't here. So I may be going under the knife too soon to have that removed, which is not as uh, critical as what Pastor Rogers going through. But anyway, it just reminds me that we're getting older, right? Yeah, not as old as Methuselah, but close to it. So today, I just wanted to share a little bit about the call. The call. Anybody, have you ever waited for an important phone call? Of course, today it's so much easier, right? Because you have your cell phone with you everywhere you go. So it's, it's not like you can't do life. I remember in the old days <laughs> when we had landlines and if we wanted somebody to call us, we had to stick fairly close to wherever that landline was. So, things have changed. We can hear a little bit better today than we used to. Last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, Ron Sarbo shared for me, again, this is my second, I had two weeks off, uh, Ron shared with you guys, uh, and, and I didn't tell you about that one, I, I had eyelid surgery. Everybody say, boy, Pastor, you looked really, really good. They raised my eyelids. They took a half inch off of each one. And uh, so last week, I still couldn't, or two weeks ago, I couldn't see. And I just figured I might as well. And I looked like Frankenstein because I had seven stitches in each eyelid. Anyhow, uh, so we're all getting older. But when Ron shared, he shared about how God miraculously saved Moses when he was a little baby. Remember that story? You guys pretty familiar with that and and of course what an what a miracle you know that the pharaoh said kill all the hebrew children and who ends up rescuing the baby his daughter for crying out loud i mean it's a miracle and then who does she ask to suckle nurse but moses original mother i mean god is so good he is awesome it doesn't always work out that way, but in this case it did. Why did God save Moses? Because he was called to lead the people out of their bondage, away from the Egyptian oppressors. And do you remember what Moses had in his hand? What? All right. And, and what does that tell us? Whatever you have in your hand. Right. Use what you've got. God is a, an amazing God. When I say he's very creative, that does not, that doesn't do justice. Just look around us. Look at the span of the universe. You know, we're going to find out God did that. If you don't already know that. We're going to find that out. He's going to blow away all the scientific premises, and we're all going to go, whoops. I attended a seminar last Thursday, and, and oh my, I wished everybody could have been there. And it had to do with where life came from and, and how this earth proves that there was a designer, a master designer who created everything around us. It didn't. It couldn't have happened by chance. That is insane. It's impossible. And the proof is there if you just look for it. So God is very creative. And, you know, we can come up with a gazillion reasons. I love that word. A gazillion reasons why 
God can't use us. Have you tried? Some of us have done really well at it. We find ways to say, you know what, Lord, I would, but. And yet, we see with Moses, God said, what do you have? A stick? Okay, throw it down. And he took it from there. You don't have to be somebody else, a better you, a more holy you, for God to use you. Just be yourself. Because God can use what you already have. How many know that God has been preparing each of us for such a time as this? From the moment that we were first conceived, and I loved it when we saw those pictures up there, the, the video, that little heartbeat. And, and she was right, Abby was right. We didn't used to be able to save our kids like we can today. I'm thankful for that because my youngest or my oldest grandson wouldn't be here today were it not for the neonatal uh, services at Sparrow Hospital in Lansing. He would have died. He was like this big when he was born. And look at him today. He's like up here. It's awesome. That's what God can do through modern medicine. And I just thank the Lord for everything that He's allowed us to create and invent. You know, that's all from Him. Our creativity, our inventiveness is all from Him. He created us in His image. What's the first thing He did? Created. You think that we got the, the handle on this thing? No way. It all came from Him. If you're gifted, it's because He gave you that gift. From conception, God had a plan for our lives. And that's what He told the prophet. In Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knew Jeremiah while he was still being formed in his mother's womb. What does that say? God doesn't wait till you're born. He is not held by time. He knew from the beginning what he was going to do with Patty today and tomorrow and the next day. He knew that. You may think that this just happened and, you know, this is my new life, but God knew it from the beginning. It didn't surprise him at all. And God's plan continues through adulthood. Again, I share this often, but it's one of my favorites. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to what? Give you a hope and a future. Every time I see somebody take their life, prematurely, I'm reminded of this. They didn't get this. They didn't get the memo. They didn't hear this. God is calling us. He's calling you and He's calling me. Come to me, my children. Come to me. God has a plan for each of us. A plan to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a, a hope and a future. And He calls out to us to partner with Him, to become a part of His family. To become a part of His kingdom plan. And when you do things God's way, your life is going to line up. And it's going to prosper. When you partner with God, His goodness and His favor come upon you. How many could use some of that today? His goodness and His favor will be yours. People who partner with God, and I, I love this part, they're always satisfied. When you're doing things God's way, when you take what God has given you and you spend it for the kingdom, when you use it, putting yourself into His hands on a daily basis, you will be satisfied. How many know that's important? Life sucks, if I can say that. Life sucks if you're not satisfied. 
And I might say to you today, if that's you, you've got to try. You say, well, I come to church. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's an hour and a half a week. What about the rest of it? Did the call end when you walk out of here? No. God wants to use you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know Him. He wants a relationship with us. That's why He created us. He didn't create us just so that He could spend everything He had on us and never get any kind of return. God expects something. He expects fruit. This isn't about that, but I'm just saying it. And we need to be fruitful with our lives. But it requires something from you and me to heed this call. It requires obedience. Again, Jeremiah 7.23, But I gave them this command, Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. You know, that's a promise. All of these are. And you can hang on to those. If God said it, you can hang on to it. Because His Word will never return void. And that's His plan for us. So, when people start telling you you're worthless... When people tell you that you can't do it, you just remind them, yeah, I can. And it's not me, but it's Christ who lives in me. I'm one of God's. I'm blood-bought. I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled. And God is using me to build His kingdom. Let's go back. Let's look at how Moses was called. If you remember the story, and I found this interesting, Moses was an adult. He was 40 years old when he killed the Egyptian slave master. And You know where I had to find that? It wasn't in the Old Testament. I had to go to the book of Acts for crying out loud. And I, I wondered, how did they know? But they talked about it. So Moses was an adult, 40, when he killed the Egyptian slave master who was doing the beatdown on a Hebrew slave. Let's look at Exodus 2.11 and following. The, the new, the NI, the, uh, yeah, that, TNIV. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. What? Mm. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh Uh-oh. Then Moses was afraid. And he thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. There's so much here. First, We cannot hide from God. We humans cannot hide from God. The hounds of heaven will be sent after us. God's got our number, and he will hunt us. And and my spell checker, every time I put hunt in there, it kept trying to change it to haunt. Whatever. He will haunt us until we acknowledge him. That's how much He cares about us. That's how much He loves us. He wants to save us from our sins, first and foremost. I'll talk about this more in a minute. Second, we cannot hide from the call. Hence, and 
I almost didn't put this up because I thought, these young people are going to go, what is that? Good. A British telephone pole? Telephone booth? Yes, thank you. It is a telephone booth, probably from England or somewhere else. It's got the crone on it, so I'm guessing, yeah, that would be the case. We cannot get away from the call of God that he has placed upon our lives to follow him. In Exodus, we see that Moses fled for his life. How many here have ever been used by God before? And you know it, all right? Well, not everybody's hand going up. Are you just not participating this morning or what? Because some of you, I'm like, what? Let's try that again. How many of you have ever been used by God before? Some of you still not. Whatever. (laughs) You don't want to play, then don't play. You just go on your side of the sandbox, I'll sit on mine. Here's where I was going with this. Have you ever noticed that whenever you try to do something for the kingdom, it seems like, and I'm just saying this, it seems like all hell breaks, out, breaks loose against you. Well, this shouldn't surprise us, all right? And listen, I wanted to say this. I'm not saying what Moses did was right. Murder is never right. All right? I'm not even sure why he did that. I don't think it was directed by God. I will say, though, that he seems to be somewhat of a chivalrous person, as we're going to see here in a minute. And I think he just protected the underdog. He's one of those. We have people in here like that. You can't stand it when you see somebody getting hurt, beat up, whatever, younger, you know, older, whatever. If you could help, you're going to step in and you're going to help that person, right? And that's a good trait to have, but I think he went too far. And I don't know if he intended on that to begin with, but it appears he did. Moses was God's man, and yet when he killed the Egyptian, he caused a real dilemma. You see, and I don't know that Satan knew that God was going to use Moses like he did, but Obviously, somebody had his number. What, what happens next? After he killed this Egyptian person, he ran. Why? Because the Pharaoh had put a contract out on him. Right? And Moses knew, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to be in trouble. And what happens to us is, the Lord puts a call on our heart, a life. He, he tells us to do something. And when we begin to do it, it seems like all this stuff comes against us, and it can cause us to go, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. Can I use you as an example? Sure. I mean, <laughs> Gary, he's been doing the Jonah study on Wednesday night, and I, I warned you, didn't I? You remember that conversation? I said, Gary, just know this. When you put yourself out there and you agree to do something for the Lord, you're going to face some adversity. And have you? You've almost been killed about twice that that you've told me about anyway, including his tractor flipping over on him. The day he was supposed to come in here and teach, it isn't easy heeding the call of God. But it's the best way. And you'll be satisfied. And his favor will be upon you. And when we get to the other side, you will be rewarded. Hello? But in the meantime, you have got to fasten in on this thing and realize, look, if I'm doing things for God, I need to be prayed up. I can't just go out there like it's just another day. You have to be alert to your surroundings because the devil is going to try to trip you up. He does not want you proceeding. He doesn't want God's business getting done. Because if it gets done, what that means is the people on this earth are going to be saved, and he doesn't want that. 
He wants just the opposite. He wants us to all die and go to hell. But God had another plan, a plan not to harm us, but to prosper us and give us a future and a hope. And here we find this, this, well, he was Egyptian, raised Egyptian, but he was a Hebrew baby. We find this man who had Hebrew blood in him fighting for a brother. He kills this man, and now, well, he's in big trouble. Don't be surprised, though, when you're persecuted. That's the whole point of what I just said. It's going to come. Expect it. All right? Jesus said that. If you follow in me, you can expect you're going to be persecuted just like he was. Period. Back to Moses. He realizes his blunder. Where'd he go? Now listen, nobody's going to last very long in the desert. But apparently he knew how to live, at least to some degree, in the desert. He wanted to get as far from the Egyptian rulers as he could. Moses hid real good. Moses hid real good. Now, you and I, we can't run from the Lord's calling. And that's one of the things we've been talking about on Wednesday nights. In fact, I've, I've got this up here. On our Wednesday night Bible study, we're talking about Jonah. And what did Jonah do? God called him to go and save the people of Nineveh who were a bunch of sinners, the worst of the worst. And this Hebrew, this Israelite said, uh-uh, let them roast in their sins. I'm not going after them. He went as far away from Nineveh as he could. So what did God do? Made his life miserable. <laughs> right? Until the people on the boat he was on had to throw him overboard, hence the fish. And the fish came and swallowed him up. And for three days he got to go on a ride of a lifetime. Better than anything you would experience at Universal. <laughs> Except on the other end he looked a little bit bleached from all the acid in the fish's belly. Can you run from God? <laughs> no. God is going to get you. And until he does, you're going to be miserable. Quit running. That's what Jonah did. He finally just went, okay, God. <laughs> I get it. You win. I'm tired of smelling these sardines. I give you my life. That's what, that's what he did. It's so much easier when we do what we're called to do first instead of running away from him. God is going to get you. If you're struggling, if everything you do seems to go wrong for you, Stop and ask yourself, am I running away from God or am I running to Him? Is there something He wants you to do and you've been saying, no way, God, not me. I can't do that. Go back to Moses. What did Moses have? A stick. What was in his hand? The stick's not important. God uses what we already have. When we yield to Him, give him our life, he will use us in the way that he sees fit. Amen? Let's look back at Moses' life a little deeper. Exodus 2, and, and I kind of like this part because it shows you a little bit more of Moses' character. Moses was 40 years old, Acts 7.23 says that, when he went to see his people, thinking he was doing the right thing, we know the story, he killed uh, the slave master, as he was hurting one of his brothers. This led to the Pharaoh putting a warrant out for his arrest, even a contract, if you will, or a bounty on his head. And Moses knew, I better get out of here. You know, Moses did what most criminals do. 
He fled. He ran away. He ran from the law, and he fled for his life. And what this shows me is God can use criminals. Do you think of that? He killed a man. It's not the first time God used somebody like that. It doesn't matter what you have done. I'm trying to eliminate our excuses here today. If God can use a man who just had a stick, if God can use a man who was a murderer, he can use us. Hopefully you're not a murderer, but if you are, he can use you. If you let him. So Moses crossed the Sinai Desert thinking that the more sand between him and the Pharaoh, the better. And I have a map up here. Where did he go? Do you remember? Midian. All right. Ooh, see that? The first time I've used it. There's Midian. Right there. See the little green dot? I've always wanted to use that. <laughs> and what is that today? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Interesting. After running, Moses came upon some women who were trying to water their father's flock. But while they were there, something happened. Some shepherds came in, men, and they ran the women off. They said, hey, get out of here. We're taking the well over. Well, again, Moses saw this, and he went, whoa. The underdog. Those women were being abused. So he steps up, and he must have been a, a pretty tough-looking dude. Because he ran the shepherds off so that the girls could bring, come back and water their father's flock. I thought that was pretty cool. Moses is gallant, chivalrous. He cared about other people. They went back, they told their father, Ruel, in gratitude... Ruel invited Moses to his home, which was probably a tent of some sort because they were nomads. And he told uh, Moses that he wanted him to come and stay with him. I think he had something else in mind because it wasn't too much after that that he invited Moses to become part of the family and marry his daughter. I love the name Zipporah. <laughs> Zipporah. How come we don't have any kids named that today? Zippy, or Zip for short. Well, I guess we have Zip Motorsports right here in town, but anyhow. Did you know that Ruel, that was actually his last name? What's his first name? Jethro. Not, not from the Clampett Notoriety. Ruel, Ruel was his last name. Um, Jethro was his first name. Moses marries Zipporah. They have two kids together. And after 40 years of desert living, I found this in Acts 7.30, God met Moses at the burning bush in the desert. And I think that's where you guys were at with Ron when he talked about this. There, God called Moses to lead his people out of bondage. And I just wanted to show that scripture Oh, I should have put that up earlier. That's Moses walking in the desert. Do you, like the, what, do you like the little... Yeah, why not? You don't know what he had on. Have you ever seen Egyptian dress? This is a modern... This is a modern picture. I just kind of thought it was funny. Exodus 3, 3-4. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why that bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses. Moses. You like that? And Moses said, Here I am. No, he didn't. Here I am, Lord. <laughs> I don't think the shepherds would have ran if he'd said that. Hey, you guys, get out of here. Here I am, Lord. 
That's what God does with us. He calls us. God comes to us first. He calls us. And our responsibility is to respond in kind. It's one thing to be called, it's another thing to respond. And the second part is where a lot of people, whoa, look, you know, I want to be born again, but let's huh, not go too far. Hello? Everybody's pretty quiet. God calls us first. Then it's our responsibility to heed that call, to respond back to him like Moses. Lord, I'm here. It's me, Norm. Or in the New Testament, like the disciples when Jesus said, come, follow me. And what did they say? Did they stop and go, well, Lord, you know what? It's a beautiful 75 degrees today. It's almost prime fishing, and well, I'd rather be out in the boat than going along with you. Is that what, he, what they said? No. They followed him. They went after him. After Jesus called the disciples, what did they have to do? Put feet to their faith. Whatever God does in your life, it's always going to require a certain amount of faith. Because we live in a natural body, it's difficult for us to see this. Because God is supernatural, it's difficult for the flesh to understand what this means. But God calls us to a higher place. Listen, there are miracles that aren't being done today because the people He's calling to do them aren't stepping up. There are preachers who have been called but are ignoring that call because of what it takes. The cost is too great, or so they think in their own mind. But God will take whatever you have and use it to His glory. You don't have to be a great oratorical speaker. Moses came out going, bah, 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 bah. he couldn't even talk right. So what God do? Okay, let's use your brother Aaron to speak then, but you're still going to be there, and you're the man of God who's going to exercise your faith. And that's what the Lord does with you and me. We have to follow Him. God is calling for a people who will follow Him, who He can make fishers of men, who He will use to deliver His people from their bondage of sin, Isaiah 6, 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Are you bold enough to say that with me? Here am I. Send me. One more time. Here am I. Send me. That's a scary premise. When you give God permission, here am I, send me. <laughs> now the prophet Isaiah was called to bring the people to a place of repentance. Let me ask you this, what if God calls you to do the same? What if this generation is so far removed from God that it's going to take a miracle for them to repent and turn back to Him? What if He calls you like He called Isaiah? like he called Moses, like he called Jonah, to be a deliverer, to bring the good news to these people who are so desperate. They need good news. What if he calls you? I've got 
news for you. He already has. This is what all of us are called to do. When God called Moses, it was to go back and deliver the Lord's people from slavery. Israel is a type of the church. God often did in the Old Testament what He would do again in the New. Just as Moses helped deliver the children of Israel from their oppressors, Jesus likewise did the same. Only He came to deliver us from our sins. From our oppression from sin. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 talks about this. For He, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. You should be able to get excited about that. In Exodus, Moses answered the call. The call to what? To lead the Lord's people out of bondage. God has always been in the business of redemption. From the very first, from the very first, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I love that. We see this more accurately in Ephesians 2, 1-5. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit who is not working those who are disobedient. So there's, a, there's a, another realm here working. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You all know that, right? We deserve death. But, right side of the butt, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, and this is the part I was getting to, verse 1 said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now verse 5 says, you were made us, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. What's that last part? I think I've heard that before. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. It's given to us. We were dead, but through Christ, we were made alive. God is in the business of redemption. Just like Moses and Jonah, the disciples, and yes, us. And God often uses His people to help Him deliver those in sin, those in oppression, to deliver people from their bondage to sin. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As I studied this out, one of the things that hit me the strongest was that God never gave up on Moses. He could have picked somebody else to lead his people out of bondage. And you might say, well, I, I'm never going to have to deliver anybody out of Egyptian bondage. Maybe not. But oppression of sin comes in a multitude of ways. Drug addiction. You ever help somebody that's been addicted? Help see them get delivered? You ever work with somebody that's so messed up, they're ready to take their own life, and you were the rock. 
You stood in for him. Like Isaiah, you said, Lord, here, here am I, send me. And you didn't give up on him. And you, you talked to these people in the middle of the night till the cows come home. And listen, it, it gets exhausting sometimes. I know that. But you're helping those people to get delivered. Especially when you're able to tell them about what God has done for you. How He's helped you to be who you are today. He's delivered you from your sins. He's delivered you from your addictions and your bondages. Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. It's not about us, but it's about the one in us. God wants to use you and me. You may not deliver several million people, but you may be used to deliver one or, or two or three who are desperate, who just need to know somebody cares. You're Jesus with skin on, as I like to put it. Hallelujah. I'm about to wrap up. If I'm assuming, Sarah, would you come on up? Romans 5, 6-8. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I make a comparison here? God is the ultimate lover of the underdog. We had no hope, nowhere to turn. And in that moment, He gave us all that He had so that you and I might have life and life everlasting. That's the kind of God we serve. He's after us. He wants you to give yourself to Him. He wants to prosper you and not harm you. He wants to give you a hope and a future. But you have to say yes to Him. Would you stand with me? Just like Moses, Jonah, the prophets, the disciples, God often uses His people to help deliver those who are in sin, who are in bondage. My challenge to you is, my plea to you is, answer the call. You know, when you look around this room and you see the, the empty seats, and I often say, you know, invite somebody. But you know what I sensed in the Spirit this week was, you know what, Norm? Instead of inviting somebody, how about minister to somebody? How about letting me, the Holy Spirit, letting me, this is what I heard, letting me use you in ways that I see fit. Because there are people out there, you'll never see them on your own, but if you'll let me use you, you will. They don't have names. They don't have faces. People walk by them every single day. And on the inside, they are so bound up and there's nowhere for them to turn. And I have put the answer in you. Let me use you. That's the call. So this week, I'm not asking you to invite somebody to church. I'm inviting you to minister to somebody outside the church. Put yourself in God's hand. I often use the picture of Him being the potter and we're the clay. What can't God do with us if we just give ourselves to Him and say, Lord, 
here I am. Send me. Can I get a good amen? God is after us. He's after you. Isaiah 43, 1, and I'll close with this. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When we go out of here, we got to know that. Because no matter what is thrown at us out there, if God is for us, who can be against us? What can man do? Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, I've heard the call, but I don't know that I've responded. And I'm sensing that the Holy Spirit's challenging me to do that. And I'm here to say, yes, Lord, send me. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Hallelujah. Yes, hands going up. Thank you. I don't want to be in such a hurry that I forget the very first step. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. I don't think I'm born again. I, I probably need to start there. And you're, you're right in your assessment you do. That's first step, saying yes to Jesus, yes to what he did for you on the cross. We call it born again, but that just means you get a new life. The old sinful man is no more. Jesus came to set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So if you're here today and you need Jesus, you need Him to forgive you of your sins. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, please just acknowledge that by lifting your hand up real quick. I want to pray with you real quick. Thanks. Hands up. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. Anybody else? Several hands went up. I want you to pray this with me. And we always pray as a family. I love that. Because we're all in this together. And if you just raised your hand, you pray this prayer to Jesus. Not to me, not to the person next to you, but to Jesus who is here. By faith, you pray this prayer. Okay? This is your first step. Heavenly Father, say this with me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today. Humbly I ask, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Help me to live for you, to know you, and you to know me better than ever before. I pray this again in your name. Amen. Now everybody else that raised their hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And mean it from your heart. Father, come on, we're doing this together. Father, you've put a call on my life. And today, I give you all that I have, all that I am. Use me. Here am I. Send me. I want to be satisfied to find my place in the kingdom as a part of your family I want favor I want prosperity I want the goodness of God to be mine so I yield to you and I give everything I have to you take what I have use me Jesus' name. Amen.
to heaven today and see what God wants to do with you. If you're able, tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a special night of prayer. Our plan is to dedicate a portion of that to Bob Cooley's healing. He's stepped out for a little bit, but Brother Bob has uh, struggled with COPD and now he's got all kinds of stuff shutting down on him. And You know what? I personally don't feel like it's his time yet. He's a young man. We're going to pray for some other things as well, and, and we're going to be blessed to have Julie True, I mean Julie DeWitt here, uh, <laughs> play, playing in the Spirit as we intercede tonight. And if you've never heard that, it, it's a beautiful sound, uh, heavenly sound even if we can go there. So that's tonight, 6 o'clock, and it should be a, probably an hour and a half-ish, uh, give or take. So, How many love Jesus? Well, go out there and answer the call. Father, we thank you again. Keep our people safe as they come and go. Again, we just ask favor, Lord, mercy. Fill us afresh and anew with your Spirit. And guide us to those folks that need you. We pray this again in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a great week.